uh, make sure that I say thank you for the time to be able to come and uh, to bring God's Word, first and foremost, because that is what is before us. That's our heart, is to spread God's Word as far as being Christians. Um, our, uh, what we do as far as ministry, um, at the core of what we do is an encouragement. Uh, well, because we have come to the understanding, I don't know so much about around here, um, but back home we have a lot of missionaries and a lot of pastors that are giving up the pulpit. The families are splitting and they're coming off the field. And in this day and this hour, we, I'm, going, I'm going to be blunt about it, we ain't got time for it. Uh, we ain't got time for uh, people to stop spreading what we have been given, which again is this word. Because the world has everything that they need to, and everything that they believe in as far as reasoning and science, and I'm not putting science down um, at all. Uh, I like to study and I like to look through science and all the things, then all the fa- it fascinates me. It really does. But they think that they synthesized what uh, it is to live a good life and what the afterlife is. When the truth of the matter is that they need Christ, that God already gave us the answer, that He is true, He is living, and that we have no reason to uh, think of ourselves as unworthy of this. He made us worthy. He sent His Son, and that was His gift. And He said, please take hold of it. Please make it a part of who you are. And so our heart and the core of what we do is that we travel the United States, and that's part of what we're doing in uh, the, these uh, three weeks, that, uh, the week and a half we have traveled and the week and a half we have left, is that we're going around and we uh, get up underneath pastors, we get up underneath churches, and we encourage them, or at least we uh, do our very best, our God-given best, to encourage them, to lift them up. Because if it is that I have to travel across the country, and this is not a burden, I try my best not to say it in uh, that way, and if I've already said that, I've already failed, but it's not a burden, I will come And I'll get up underneath that pastor if it will keep him here. I can't pastor every church across America. But I can travel around and I can encourage those that already do. And that's my heart. That's our heart. There are many different vehicles, many different ways. And actually when we started, we thought we were going to be strictly just a a, a food service. And that's if you get one of our cards, that's going to be the main uh, and what our ministry is entitled. uh, Because that's where God has trained us and what we have talent in. But honestly, we will do whatever is needed in the church and for that pastor. Uh, he's, uh, God's trained us, put my hands in many different pots. And at certain, at certain times in my life, I'll say I'm, I bet a couple too many pots. And I, I know my wife would amen me there. Uh, that, uh, but we can do multiple of things. So anything that we can do to encourage them, that's our goal. Uh, we have two main purposes when we do our ministry. And the first, as I've been talking about, is to the pastor and to his church. But then when we go, come into a uh, community, we then work through the church to the community. Uh, because we do that because we are mobile. And we don't want to do anything within ourselves. We don't want our name to carry any kind of uh, weight when we come in. We work through the church. We basically become uh, non, uh, non-official members. And uh, we uh, work through that church and we pass out literature. We invite people to come. We get to know the church and say, well, this is going to be a good ministry for you to be a part of and to invite them in and for them to go ahead and establish a pastor, which is the one in the church. Uh, and we go ahead and uh, if there's someone that we find that uh, could use the church or one of the uh, ministries of the church, we uh, point them in that direction. So we establish ourselves in the church 
to the community. We uh, do have a vision to eventually be a part of uh, disaster relief in a FoodWise to get a food trailer and to uh, be on call for disaster relief, but that's, that's down the road a mite, and uh, we are looking to it. We're going to start saving for it once we come off of the uh, road uh, for this trip, uh, but for the time being, that's, uh, that, that's the basis of our heart. I can answer any kind of questions. I can be able to uh, give you some of our vision. Uh, I don't want to take up too much time uh, this evening because I do want to dive into the Word. Uh, it excites me. I'm going to side trail just a little bit uh, because where I thought we were going to be was going to be uh, talking about Solomon. And then at the last minute, God said, no, no, I've got something else for you. And I believe it matched up with some of this morning and definitely this evening. I hope it's going to be a blessing to you. Um, I hope it's going to be an encouragement to you. Uh, to be honest with you, my, I, I'm going to quit saying this because it seems like I'm turning into one of those people. Uh, but I don't necessarily take a single word and attach it to a year. But uh, my, uh, God seems to be changing that just a little bit in me because He gave me the word this, uh, at the beginning of this year of infused. And the word, I, I grew up with it because I grew up cooking. Uh, I knew it as a cooking term. When you take one substance and you put it with another one in a way that you can uh, no longer tell the difference where one begins and one ends. And what God is uh, doing and He's teaching me in this year and seems to be bringing up in every time I open the Scriptures is that if we infuse ourselves with God, that anything in our lives that we touch, even if, and we should, and all these things I'm about to say, we should, even if we don't bring up the Scriptures in day-to-day talk, like I met you out on the street and I was talking to you, but we didn't talk about the Scriptures, we should. Even if I don't mention the name of God or Jesus Christ, although I should. But even if we don't in any wise, shape, or form say that I'm a preacher or I go to such and such a church, the world itself should be able to look at us, listen to us, and see God oozing out of us. We should be so infused with Him. Uh, I do want to read our, uh, our uh, sending verses or however you want to entitle it, and that's in 2 Corinthians. Uh, and it's going to be verse number 8 through 15. Uh, I'm going to read down through them very quickly. This is not our text verse, uh, but verse number 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, He hath... Despise the abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both ministereth bread for, the, for your food, and multiplieth your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the wants of the saints, but this abundant also by many thanksgiving unto God. While by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ, and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men, and by their prayer for you, which long after you, for the exceeding grace of God in you. 
Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gifts. And that's what we try. That's our goal is that we want to spread abroad and to remind those that are uh, depressed, those that are they're becoming broken, that they're uh, becoming to a place where they can't quite see. And we all know if we've lived any kind of time on this earth, you know those times that you will just dip down, whether it's in emotion, whether it's in circumstance, or it's just life itself where you need to be reminded just a little bit of what that unspeakable or that priceless gift is. So that's, again, I will, uh, me and my wife can answer any questions that y'all may have. We'll, uh, I believe, unless you tell me something other, we're going to be uh, by our table uh, out in the foyer uh, at the end of the service. Uh, we'd love to shake your hand. I'd love to be able to meet you. Um, I did forget to introduce us. Uh, he's already said my name is Jacob Bryant. My wife, Chloe, is in the back with our beautiful uh, daughter. She's going to be two next uh, must she is not in here. All right, but she is in the building somewhere. Uh, but that is Miss Eliza, and my sister Lindsay is traveling with us right now for the trip. Uh, we do covet your prayers and uh, everything that we're doing, and uh, we do want to be an encouragement to you while we're here. Uh, but pray for us as we go down the road, uh, that we have safe travels, and that we be able to encourage someone else along the journey, point somebody else to Christ as we're moving forward. All right, if you'll turn with me to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms, verse number 18. When you get there, I ask that you stand. I'm going to read one verse and then to pray and we'll have you sit back down. Psalms chapter number 18 and verse number 1. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. Bow with me. Thank you, blessed Father, for this day, for this time that you've given us. And Father, for the services we've already had, that we've already been a part of for the study that you allowed us to have earlier and uh, how you protect us, how you guide us, how you brought us here to this place to be able to fellowship and worship with your people here in South Dakota. I pray that you please would God move me out of the way and Father, that you might take preeminence in this service. Father, that you might just be here in amongst us for a little while. We thank you, we praise you for all that you have done, all that you're going to do and all that you are doing. In your name we pray, amen, amen. You may be seated. So if I can spend just a little bit of time, as we've already covered in the song service, uh, I want to use verse number 2 of uh, this chapter as my outline. And I will try to be uh, quick with it. The last time that I uh, studied through this or taught through this, it took me about an hour to get all the way through the verse. Don't get nervous on me. Uh, We're going to do a very condensed version, but we're going to follow the Lord. I'm not going to uh, go against Him. I've done that in my life, and it was the most miserable part of my life. So I will, we will follow Him. But uh, in verse number 2, I'm going to read through it, and then we're going to break it down. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. And my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and my horn, and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. I believe here that David, when he's putting out this psalm, in the top note it says that it's coming at the end of a great battle that he's been through, or a great running. Uh, I see it as a battle, but uh, if you read down through the story, uh, when he's running for his life in his uh, altercations with Saul, and then later on in his life and later on in the Psalms, uh, we see that he goes through it again with his own family, and we're actually going to read some of that. Uh, we, we see here that he's giving a testimony of what he has experienced with God. And I want to go through the, uh, the words, and first one is rock. 
that he calls him his rock. I think about this as an inanimate object, not a living deity. And I use that word very uh, loosely because the world seems to have twisted it a little bit, but bear with me. Uh, I see it as an inanimate object. Forgive me for my, my twisted tongue. Uh, but uh, so why, I, I ask myself, why would he say that the Lord is my rock? Because we look today and we actually have religions that their gods are made of stone. There are uh, many uh, gods throughout the Bible that uh, they would say are the God of the universe or the God of, and that they are made of slabs of stones or they're uh, giant towering objects that uh, they sacrifice to. So why would David stand and say that he is my rock? I believe in it and uh, that he is not stating that God is the rock by any means, shape, or form. This may be elementary to you, but bear with me. Uh, but that he is not the rock, although he is our rock, that one that we can stand on. And that is exactly what David is saying here, is that he is a solid place that he can be able to stand without fear of uh, becoming imbalanced, uh, without fear of uh, becoming weak, that he can be able to stand on it because it's not a tightrope. And I look at, I, I watch these YouTube videos of uh, people that span great gulfs and uh, they'll walk from one end to the other and uh, they'll get out of the middle of it and they'll start swaying one way or another because they've started losing their balance and they're trying to regain it and it ends up making them, I, I've seen a couple of them fall and it makes me lose my stomach. I can do a lot of adventurous stuff. Doing something like that, that insecure, I cannot do. I lose my, I lose my stomach just watching it. But what David is stating here is the exact opposite. He's saying, when I stand on God, I have nothing to worry about. When I stand on, when I make Him my foundation, I have nothing to fear. Turn with me to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew. The book of Matthew chapter number 7. Verse number 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which buildeth his house upon a rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not. For it was founded upon a rock. I'm going to stop reading there. You can read down through there. But I want to take distinct look at some of what he says comes up against the house. He doesn't speak a lot about the house. He doesn't say how tall the house was. He doesn't say whether the house had a basement that we could crawl into if a tornado came. It doesn't say, it doesn't say anything about the house. But what it does say is where it was founded and what came up against it. And uh, I want to take specific notice that it does not say that it chose to have the rains come. It did not choose for the floods to come, and it did not choose for the winds to beat upon it. Now that sounds, uh, uh, that sounds a little weird for me to say that, that we choose rain to, but how many times in our lives, and even in David's life we could look and say, uh, that he said, I didn't choose this. I didn't choose this, we even use this term, this storm I am in. I didn't choose to go through this. Why am I having to go through this? I'm not putting uh, down anybody and I'm not being critical. I've said it myself. God, what's going on, I don't understand this. I didn't choose this. 
neither did the house. But what we see in Matthew is that though it came, it went, and the house did not fall. Why? Because it was founded upon the rock. It says that a little bit further down. So we see, and I'm going to move on, that if we found ourselves upon the rock, again, uh, lending to the, thought, or, uh, the word that I said earlier, infusing ourselves to God, if we uh, put ourselves and found ourselves upon the rock, we won't fall. doesn't mean we won't get weary. It doesn't mean that when those troubles come and they push against us, when those floods rise and they fill us up, or what it feels like they fill us up, when they, when they pass away, which they always do, we have the promise that they will, that we will still be standing because we found ourselves upon the rock. Number two, our fortress. In the Civil War, I, I, I was reading a little bit about Fort Sumter in South Carolina, uh, when the Civil War started, the uh, fort was manned by 80 Union troops, or 80 Union personnel. Uh, in, uh, once the Civil War started, all the other troops around it, because it was in a Confederate state, all the troops around it came against the, uh, against the fort. And those 80 personnel defended themselves in Fort Sumter, and they were able to hold their own against thousands of other men. And not one soul was lost inside the fortress. The only reason they lost the fort was because they ran out of supplies and they ran out of ammunition. That's the only reason they lost the fort. When David is stating that, we, uh, that he is our fortress, I believe that he is stating this and giving the idea of this. If we, are, if we would just enclose ourselves around by God, we have nothing to worry about about what is outside the fortress. Turn with me to the book of, uh, a little bit further down in Psalms chapter 118. Psalms 118. This is one of my favorite Psalms. Chapter 118. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, because His mercy endureth. Forever. I, I, I just have to read that. It's uh, not part of the actual Scriptures I've ha- I have wrote down, but I love reading it. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He, uh, for his good, for he is good, because His mercy endureth forever. Now, over in uh, verse number uh, 10, 118, verse number 10, All nations come past me about, but in the name of the Lord will I destroy them. They come past me about, yea, they come past me about, But in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They can pass me about like bees. They are quenched as the fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. Verse number 13, Thou hast thrust sore at me that I might fall, but the Lord help me. He uses the term uh, to help us understand like bees. I don't know if y'all have ever gotten into a nest of bees, but I did a lot of uh, grass mowing and weed eating. Uh, I put myself through Bible college that way. And uh, I would often find myself uh, becoming uh, very uh, uh, introduced to a set of ground uh, yellow jackets or a, uh, something that was in a bush. Me not knowing that they were there, because if it was up to me, I would have left them to their business. But I, uh, they decided that they wanted to become acquainted with me. And I found that no matter how many of the bees you kill, that there's always at least a billion of them to follow up on the one you get. 
And that's about the number that you can be able to swat at is one at a time. Because about the time that you go to get the one you aim for, him and his ten buddies have gone around and knocked you on your other side. So if I can take the idea, both of them, and mush them together, because they are both in times when David uh, had been running, they were both in times that he, he knew something about being compassed about. If I could put them together... The idea would be that if we get into our fortress, we don't have to worry about what we can't touch. We don't have to worry about what we can't control. Because again, if I could control the bees, I would never have uh, messed with them. They could have gone about their entire lives and uh, I'd never known them. But if we get into our fortress, then we don't have to worry about them because the one that created them, the one that uh, created this world, the one that uh, controls the very government that we so often, uh, as he was talking about uh, this morning, that we like to murmur about. The very government that we uh, want to uh, be able to put down and uh, that God controls Him. Isn't that a wonderful thought? That the only reason that uh, we have the officials we do is because God put them there for a reason and He will take them down as soon as He's done with them. That, that encourages me right there. But if we put ourselves into the fortress and say, God, I am here. I am trusting you to surround me and take care of uh, what is coming against me. Uh, When things happen that I can't control, I'm trusting that you're going to protect me. Now, he uses another word in uh, this, my deliverer. Now, this is a little bit different than the first two that he uses because the first two has something to do with us. My rock and my fortress. Those are two things that the idea of is we found ourselves upon it. We choose to stand upon the rock. We choose to put ourselves within the fortress. But to say that He is our deliverer gives the idea that He also protects us against things we have no clue are coming. Because just as I was talking about with the bees, and just to give an illustration, one that's very, uh, very fresh in my mind because it happened last week. Uh, we, before we took the trip, we took our car to the mechanic. And we had him check out everything. We had him look at everything. Uh, we said, okay, we know that it needs this, this, and this. And he changed that, that, and that. And he also ran a scan and he looked at all of the stuff. And he said, yep, you're good to go. You're going to be able to make it there and back. No problem. And I'm not putting him down. And no wise am I putting him down. But he said, you're going to be all right. We've spent three different times in the mechanics having something changed. But all three times I stand before you. And I would not tell you that story without telling you this. Every time God already knew it, He put what we needed in our path or put us in the place to be able to get what we needed. And I can stand before you today and say, my God is my deliverer. He provided what I needed when I needed it, although I didn't know I was going to need it. He already knew the situation and He was there to take care of it. He was my deliverer. It gives the idea of we don't know what's coming, but He does. My Deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust. Now I do. I pull your attention to my buckler. This word is used a multitude of times throughout the Scriptures, and I'm not going to try to pronounce the Hebrew word before you this evening, but I can tell you that it's used the majority of the time uh, in the word shield, 
my buckler, my shield. So uh, because I first thought when I was reading through this, they had something to do with what I call a buckler, which holds my pants up. But it, it doesn't. What it's talking about or it's in reference to is actually the buckle that goes around your arm that holds up your shield. So if I can say it this way, he says that he's his foundation. He's what he surrounds himself by. And when he is, goes to war, which sometimes we do, we do have to go up against uh, the, uh, the ways of this world. We do. That he said that I'll be between you and what you're fighting against. I'll be between. So when those fiery darts of the wicked come against us, he'd be our shield and take the hit. He'd take the punishment of whatever it is that's coming towards us. He would be as long as we make him foremost in our lives and put him before whatever it is in our lives, whether it be a decision. If we put him before, no matter what comes of it, he will take what comes from it. He is our buckler. He is the horn of my salvation. The horn of my salvation gives the thought, a horn being what they would carry water in or they carry oil in. So it holds, it's a container, the horn is. And he says it in this way, well, I, I actually I want to back up. There's two specific uses when it says horn in this uh, kind of context. One is to hold things and one is an instrument. The first one being the holding, and I'm going to uh, touch on that. Uh, the ho- it holds, and he specifically says our salvation. In this, I want to apply it specifically to us for, uh, uh, for time's sake. I want to specifically apply it to us that when we trust God with our salvation, we no longer have to worry about it. That He holds it, we don't have to. That when we uh, take Him as our Savior as, and, and the free gift that I've already spoke about, and we say, yes, we will take that free gift, we will take the benefit of what you paid for on the cross. We'll take it upon us and become a part of your family. Yes, we will take this. He then takes that and puts it in a place that no one can steal it. Nobody can hack in and find it. That way it's not going to rust. The moths are not going to get to it and eat it. We don't have to worry about dogs or coons. It's put up in a place far beyond what anything can get to. And He has reserved our place in heaven, that we can, without fear of being turned away, we, I, I don't know if uh, this is uh, something that you fear, but because I used to work in a restaurant, I fear this quite often, is that we'll call and we'll make a, uh, a reservation for somewhere that uh, tends to be more busy than not, and we'll show up and they'll look at us and say, I'm sorry we've overbooked. Or that you get to a hotel and they look at you and say, I'm sorry, we're out of rooms. We made the reservation. Yes, we know we're very sorry. How much does that uh, happen on plane trips? That you get there, we've overbooked the plane. Can I tell you today that when He took our reservation, our holy reservation, we are not going to get up to the pearly gates and be told, I'm sorry, we're full. Uh, we're not going to get to the end of our life and then uh, an angel come down by our bedside and look and say, I'm sorry this flat's full. You're not going to make it. It's not going to happen. When God said it is finished, He said it in a way that means that there is no way you can miss out of it outside of turning it down. 
That's the only way that you can miss out on salvation. It's in Him. I said there was two different ways. Is our holder, but He's also our trumpet. He's our horn. They would blow it at times to signal just as we do with uh, the military. And I understand this is a military town, so y'all understand uh, what it means for a trumpet to be blown and the different ways. If I can put it in the way, in the context of salvation, meaning he didn't fail. Meaning that in salvation that it's all done, that there's no more uh, to be done, that there's no one else that's going to come against you. So if I can say in this way, by being His horn of salvation, it is His victory trump. It, uh, he said it's done and we have concluded what it is and all is taken care of. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. And lastly, my high tower. This gives the thought, just as the fortress does, is that uh, when you say a tower, you say, uh, oh, that is a mighty tall tower. It gives the idea of something that is strong, that's built well, and is built to keep something safe up high. Something that's built that uh, when the war is going on around it, I guess we could say that in this, that the high tower is a, uh, more of an understanding of what His fortress is. Gives us an idea that God lifts us up above whatever it is down below. That He has put us in a place that has said, You are dear to me. Because in medieval times, they would, a lot of cultures, or down through time, I'll say it this way, down through time, many cultures would take towers and that's what they would put their valuables in. That's what they put their treasure in. Because if everything else caught on fire, if everything else got laid siege, and they came up over whatever those walls were, they wanted to make sure that that was the last thing they were going to be getting to, or that was the last thing that was going to burn. So if I can say it this way, he says... God, you, have, you are my high tower. All my precious things that I consider precious, all the things that I could be able to say is worth something, I put it in you and I put it high above so that nothing else can get to it. I'm trusting you with my heart. I'm trusting you with my being, or as the Scripture says, my bowels. What is that most important to me? Verse number 3, I will read and I'll finish. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. After giving us the testimony of what God is to him, he then says that he is worthy. I can stand before you today. And I can be able to stay without a shadow of a doubt in my mind, without hesitation on my lips, that God is worthy of all my praise. There is nothing within me. There's nothing within, as much as I love her, there's nothing within my wife. There's nothing in my child. There's nothing in my home place that I can say has more worth nor worthiness than God. Because He is, I put all that I have in Him. And that's where I leave it. I have to daily, we have to daily choose these things because I heard a preacher say this way, the problem with a living sacrifice, which we are supposed to be, the problem with the living sacrifice is it keeps getting up off the altar. And so this, I see it in this way and I'm going to stick this to it. Now I don't do any damage to it that we daily have to say, God, today I want to found myself upon you. I choose today to be 
upon You. I choose today to surround myself in You. And I trust today that You will be my Deliverer. I trust today and I will carry You as my buckler into whatever You set before me in life. I, You are today my horn of victory and I trust You to be my horn of salvation. And I put all my worldly, spiritual, mental goods in You. And I say, I trust You with it. How often do we say, uh, do, on that last, how often do we want to take something back and say, no, no, I've got this. How often do we step outside the fortress and say, uh, if I could give a suggestion, I don't know about y'all, but my brain does that a lot. How often do we put down the shield and say, I'll fight what's in front of me because I can. And then we end up getting knocked back. Or worse. But we choose daily to say, God, You are worthy and I trust You for it. Bow your heads with me. I don't know what place you are. And I pray that nothing that I've said this evening has been... Uh, so, so, so far, uh, so easy that you've missed. But if I could be just a reminder today, God is worthy. And you can trust Him today. It, uh, I, I give you, just as David did, I give you the testimony that He will always be what you need when you need Him. He will always supply what you need. Dear Blessed Father, I thank You and I praise You for all that You have done. And I pray more than anything that I didn't get in Your way. Now Father, if there's anyone in here that needs to get a hold of You because they're going through something and they need to, be, to get inside that place that they've stepped out of, they need to put it back up. Father, You are, you are more than willing, You are more than able to put them back in that place. And Father, if there's someone here that does not know that salvation, know those benefits that David talks about, then Father, I pray that they would find You as I did, high and lifted up. That you, they, they would find You with just as much power today to save their soul as You have been in all the years past. That they would find You as You are. I thank You and I praise You in Your blessed name. Amen.